you're listening to the podcast edition of One Love, One Planet. Good morning and welcome to One Love, One Planet. I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by Emma Gein from the Bristol Disability Equality Forum. Uh, Good morning, Emma. Good morning. First of all, could you please just tell our listeners just a little bit about you? Uh, Yeah, uh, thanks so much for having me. Um, Yes, so uh, I work for the Bristol Disability Equality Forum uh, on our climate projects, so I coordinate that. Um, And my background is uh, I'm a writer um, and um, have done a lot of climate activism over the last few years. What kind of things do you write? Um, Novels, speculative fiction, often about like climate change. I've only had one published. Oh, um, do you? Oh, gosh, why didn't I know this? What's it called? uh, The Many Selves of Catherine North. Oh, I must check this out. It's... uh, it was written quite a while ago now, was so it? I always get oh, a bit fantastic. when people say that. Oh, no, not... Well, I'll have a look. Um, right, OK. And now you are with... the. Do, do you call it the BDEF, by the way? Or do you call... What do you give it... Does it have a short... <laughs> does it have a short Everyone calls it something different, so... Um, what do you call it? I, I, I called it BD, BDEF, but some people call it the forum, some call it, you know... I. Don't, don't worry let's, about it. <laughs> okay, let's call it, can we call it the forum yeah. today? That's okay. Right, so can you, well, just to give it its long title once more, the Bristol Disability Equality Forum, could you please tell us what that group, it, what it what it does, what it is? Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, we are a charity based in Bristol. Uh, our vision is for a society where disabled people are respected and valued and where they have independent choice and control of their lives. Uh, and where they are fully included in their communities and the country as a whole. Um, So we were set up by the council in 1994 uh, and then became independent in 2009. Um, So we basically advocate for disabled people in the city and have several projects um, doing that work of um, making sure that disabled people are fully included in society, um, of which uh, my climate project is one of those. Fantastic. And yeah, it's a mammoth task, isn't it? It really is. It is huge. Um, I mean, I've only become relatively recently personally more aware of it because my husband had a stroke a few years ago. And so um, his, he's been left with disabilities, his, his hands, deficits with his hands. And it is amaz- just so amazing how you take so much for granted when you, you're not um, affected by it. So, yeah, I'm slightly aware of it. Um, right. So one thing I, I was reading about, which I found really interesting in relation to the climate, was the idea of new barriers as well as existing barriers um, for. Oh, now, sorry, I'm going to stop here. I referred to people with disabilities and you very kindly put me right on that. Um, could you explain about the, the sort of correct term to some? Because some of our listeners may be thinking, "Well, I thought that was the right one to use." So, sure. So, it, it, in different countries, it's different, and I think always it's always a case of um, you know, ask the person themselves how how they want to to be you know be called or referred to. Um, but in the UK, we tend to say disabled people rather than people with disabilities because we subscribe to the social model of disability. So that means that, in a sense, um, it's society that disables us as a group of people rather than we are people who have 
disabilities so you know the the kind of classic example is a wheelchair user you know are they disabled by the fact that they are who they are or the fact that you know you've got a massive set of stairs in your building and there's no way for them to you know access the the top floor um so the social model is about kind of putting that responsibility back on society and saying no we're not we're not people who are meant to be fixed it's not our problem it's society's responsibility to make sure that everyone can be included um so yeah Yeah. that makes sense the other term that I saw um is which I just thought was brilliant was not yet disabled Mm. could you just explain that one please yes yes so uh the forum we call non-disabled people not yet disabled people and that's not that's not a sinister thing sometimes look at people look at me a bit scared when I say that um but I mean it's it's just a simple matter of um life and and how how our bodies are that if you live long enough then you'll become a disabled person so uh 84% 84% of over 85-year-olds are disabled people. Um, so I, I think this is also interesting in terms of the climate works. I think often sometimes when I talk to people, they're a bit like, oh, this is such an urgent issue. Why should we be, you know, we can't slow down to kind of, you know, include essentially what they're thinking of as, as a small minority of people. Well, first of all, 22% of the population are disabled. So we're the biggest wow. minority group. But also, you know, these changes that we're making now about, you know, making our society um, good for the planet and hopefully, you know, averting the worst of climate change, those changes are going to be with us for decades. They're going to be with us for the rest of our lives. So most people, you know, even if they're not impacted by them now as a disabled person, later on in their life when they become a disabled person, these sorts of things are going to be really important to them. So this is, I I, I think this is a justice issue for everyone. Mm. I have to say, I thought that term was Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I've never seen it before. And it really made me think. Uh, It's so true that most of us will. Most of us will become disabled, won't we, effectively? Um, No, it's it's really, really good term. Okay, with with regard to the climate, you are you are project leader. Your your main um, your main role at at, at the forum is dealing with climate is that right yeah could you tell us about the work you're doing yes so uh we are one of the community partners on a project called the community climate action project which is held by the bristol green capital partnership um, and that's been supporting six disadvantaged communities across bristol to make their own community climate action plans um so there are four geographic um we're at the wonderful eastern community center mm. today and eastside community trust is one of those those partners um they've been really great allies to us so thank you to that thank you Emily um but there's also two demographic partners so there's ACH which is uh, has made a climate plan for refugees and there's us which has made we've made a climate plan for by and for disabled people so can I just ask ACH what does that actually community housing right okay thank you that's right um yeah so so yes um I spent a year co-producing this plan so going around talking to as many disabled people as possible saying you know how how do we make this work good for the disabled people what do you want to see come out of this um you know what barriers could be created what you worried by um this was also during you know the lockdowns it was it was quite quite a big project I I I had to resort to dragging a sofa around the streets of Bristol and like grabbing disabled people and say come and have a cup of tea really what you just sat outside the house um well no no not outside the houses (laughs) it wasn't that quite that stalkerish um no I, I went to like places like um you know when when people go to shopping malls or just in the street and we had we had like all sorts of online sessions 
questions and a survey and a video. Basically, just try to do as many different things as possible to try and make sure that as many disabled people as possible could share their voice on an issue which we have been excluded from from for far too long. Um, yeah, and now we're in the second phase of the project. We're really lucky to have received um, a, a nice big chunk of money from the National Lottery to make bring two of our projects to life. So uh, those two projects that we are currently looking at are we are going to be making a... A repair hub for mobility aids so currently a lot of mobility aids once the the person who originally owned them no longer needs it or they just go to the waste they're not reclaimed um so obviously that's a huge amount of waste mm. in landfill um and you know sometimes like you know toxic substances like you know batteries and that kind of thing um so you know saving on emissions from those new new equipment being created we're going to take that out of the waste stream refurbish it and sell it on to affordable price uh, affordable prices for disabled people so like you know this is a way in which you know taking action on climate uh, change can be really good for Mm. disadvantaged communities and Mm. the other part of that is we are hiring um a um a part-time uh, energy champion to work with disabled people so um that will be like making sure that disabled people can uh, access things like solar panels when those grants come up um switch to more sustainable energy um and they're going to be also be doing some work around the cost of living crisis they're doing like basic retrofits to homes that means um you know making sure that they lose less heat in winter and, mm. and stay cooler in the summer um, fantastic they sound like really good projects um now when we first met you mentioned something to me that I thought was really interesting which is that um when campaigners uh the, the, the campaigning for the climate sometimes if if disabled people aren't taken into account it can affect you in ways that you know very adversely and one example, the, the example you mentioned was straws. Mm. Could you talk about that kind of thing? And are there other examples? Yeah, of course. Um, so so the, the straw ban is the classic one. And I think often people talk about the straw ban as this great success, right? Yeah. Um, but when you look at it by weight, uh, straw plastic straws, I think, make up about 0.02% of the plastic waste coming from the UK. Um, so, you know, the ban really hasn't changed that much, but uh, plastic straws uh, were used as a medical device uh, to stop liquid aspirating in people's lungs before, you know, people started sticking them there, Starbucks and that kind of thing. So really what, you, what you've done is you've not really changed anything about, you know, uh, you've not really <laughs> solved the issue, but you've created this huge new barrier for people who are already, you know, facing, you know, so much prejudice and, and, and struggles in society. Um and I think you know it's it's often the case with the community of disabled people. We um, we're kind of almost sort of scapegoated, right? Like you know the big players out there who are creating a lot of plastic waste are often the the fishing industry, right? But people don't want to tackle that. They don't want to stop the kind of waste from like plastic nets going into the sea. Um, so in a sense, these kinds of gestures are made about oh well, let's ban ban plastic straws um and then um you know our, our needs as disabled people are ignored because um we are hugely um there's so much prejudice in society against mm. us that we're, we're we're the kind of community that um that are treated as if our often our basic human rights are just like this act of charity which is sort of optional so you know often you know we're getting our needs are getting sacrificed so that we don't actually have to look at you know who the where where the power really lies and where the problem who that's who's that really being created by absolutely um and you 
you've also I don't know if you were if you produced this report yourself but um there is a report to do with disability and activism is that right which I again where, where the, your voice wasn't being heard properly and you want to make sure it is and it's quite a long document isn't it could you, you- Yes, so so we created, um, along with our voluntary steering group, this um, document called Protest for All. So it's basically for ac- climate activists, um, but also I think other activist groups find it really useful to kind of learn how they can make their protests accessible um and you know we you know we understand that these protest groups often you know don't have much time or money or resource um and you know we're not expecting people to be perfect but i think there's some really good guidelines in there about how they can start doing that work with you know just just through some small things and i think that's often coming from like you know being open to having those conversations mm-hmm. with with disabled people who are coming in and like you know what what are your needs how can we accommodate them and I think often people find that's a lot a lot easier um, than than they they might think because I mean we're not you know we're not asking that everyone should be able to you know climb up a crane and <laughs> drop a banner you know as, as some yeah. climate activists do mm-hmm. but it's about making sure that we 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 can have our voices heard and, and play our mm. part in in fighting the future for the future that we all wasn't want. there i think there was a woman at cop last year who wasn't able to participate who should have been a key participant in something and literally wasn't able to get into the room because she was in a wheelchair or something yes yes so there was an Aurelian minister who was a wheelchair user who who literally couldn't get inside because they hadn't made the the building accessible um so yes this is this is a a huge issue like there's a huge amount of exclusion of disabled people mm. from from the movement and and it's only really just now starting to be talked about so you know it's why I'm so happy to come on shows yeah, like absolutely. this absolutely no it's it's good I t- there is one thing that I've thought about a lot and I'd be well I suppose I kind of know the answer really um I was walking down the road the other day and there was a big plane tree in the pavement that and the pavement was just rising up with the tree and I remember thinking I love this I love the fact that these old trees they're still here and that the world is just adapting around them and then I always think and I just pray that that tree stays there and then I think but hang on a second for anyone in a wheelchair uh it must be a nightmare what that there is a there is a bit of a, a tussle, isn't there, between sort of keeping those trees. I'm mean, I'm talking about this precise example of things growing around trees, but it is it must be a nightmare for wheelchairs. Do you think we should be uh, um, just producing um, surfaces that uh, wheelchair users can can use around there, or should we be getting rid of the trees or? Has there been any thought around this this one particular thing? So one of the big asks in our climate plan was for accessible pavements in Bristol. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's a really important part of um, disabled people being able to take, you know, the, the action that's good for the planet is to make sure that, you know, if you're a wheelchair user or, or maybe aren't, aren't so, you know, have other mobility problems, um, you know, there's lots of people who could, you know, stop driving or you know and do do more kind of active transport so walking and, and cycling these kinds of things if the if the infrastructure of the city was accessible um and that will make a huge difference to the independence of a lot of disabled people as well like there's so many wheelchair users you know it's 
you you go out of your home and maybe you can't even get to the bus because everywhere you go like there's not like a drop curb so you can get down Mm. off of the pavement or you know maybe there's you know trees in the way or that kind of thing so obviously it's a huge issue that needs to be addressed but I think always um I, I I think sometimes disabled people we can be kind of used sometimes as like chips in this kind of game of debate about you know or maybe we don't make change because you know that will be bad for disabled people and that kind of thing and I think often that is a distortion of of where who who the real bad actors are right so you know again like that that pavement you know we do need trees to be planted deeper so that we don't have that that problem in future but really probably where you know that pavement would be a lot bigger and wider if we weren't being forced off by you know that most of our Absolutely. public space being given over for, to, to cars and to, yeah. you know obviously I should say that you know I think it's really important that uh we, we have low car cities rather than no car cities because there are some disabled people who are, who are never going to be able to use public transport or walk or cycle and it's really important they're not trapped in their homes but but we don't need we don't need this kind of the way we design our cities which is basically given over entirely for cars for that to be the case that is a big one isn't it yes because i know that people think the dream is no car cities and again i've always thought um disabled people who have to take cars and i often think of like single mums with three or four children and babies get using public transport and and you almost feel that there are there are some some people who absolutely have to use cars and if they're part of this system and if everybody is drive in a vehicle is driving slowly public transport included we can accommodate everybody can't we and i mean what's your thinking on that at the moment with the council is there that sense of say and also thinking on transport on on car free cities is there that sense of that it should be low car rather than no car um i don't think there's um i mean i i i guess the people who have talked to about this and maybe are are understanding that i don't, i don't think the city is f- currently very far on its thinking about kind of lowering uh traffic use and that i think we're quite on quite early days about that so i couldn't say really what the council's uh, position is on that um i mean i know that certainly um it's 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 possible to have a really great city that's low car rather than no car i think possible did some research about if you if every disabled person had a car and nobody else did and and just for a start so in bristol uh 38 percent of disabled people don't have access to a car compared to you know um you know this a, a big difference to, to non-disabled people um e- even if every disabled person had access to a car you and nobody else did you'd mm-hmm. still be halving the number of cars that are on our streets so you a huge difference so when you mm-hmm. think about you know when you go out and there's all those parked cars along the streets like we just hugely open up the space so so I think it's you know this is this is a possible future that would make a real mm. big difference if we start having these kinds of conversations. Mm. What's happening next with the climate action plan? Where are you going from here? Um, yes, so as I was saying, we've got um, the second stage. So we are um, trying to set up this uh, repair hub and hiring yes. an energy champion. We're also going to be hiring a transport champion. Um, we'll be advertising for that soon. Um, if you're a disabled person, really lovely you to apply for those roles. If you if you um, don't feel too confident, you know there's going to be there'll be training around energy, kind of um, how to do that kind of work, um, and also just to encourage people to remember that um, 
at least at the forum, we count uh, people uh, with mental health issues or neurodiverse people within the, 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 the umbrella of disabled people. So do don't be put off if if that's your if that's your um, your condition. Um, and yeah, uh, but we are also going to be trying to make sure that uh we are like advocating for all the other asks in our plan because um i think probably a little bit differently than some of the other communities who created their own uh climate action plans ours really you know a lot of it falls on the council and other big sort of players in the city to make sure that this work is accessible um so we will be there to make sure that uh we are not forgotten Fantastic. It's, you're doing really valuable work. Um, can I just ask, actually, have you noticed any, is there a big or small overlap with, say, the work being done with the other demographic group, with ACH? Is um, there any kind of overlap? or? I'm like, I guess, that, uh, I, I might say a lot of the things that the different partners, all the partner plans are kind of asking for that are quite similar, for example, better public transport, mm. huge, huge issue. And the kind of keenness to make sure that the green jobs, so jobs that are kind of good for the planet, are, are, are available to, you know, these disadvantaged communities, so we can be kind of benefiting from um, the good things that are being created around this work. So, you know, definitely that's a crossover with ACH mm. and, and us. Great. Okay. And finally, if people listening would like to get involved in some way, what should they do? Um, so they can email me at cca.bristol and then part of the same word, def at gmail.com um, or go on our website, um, drop, us a, drop us a call. We'd also really love people to come out in support of, um, we are having a protest about the clean air zone, how that's, um, we're, just to clarify, we're in support of action uh, to clean up Bristol's air and, mm-hmm. you know, a clean air zone that does centre the most disadvantaged people. Um, but the way it's currently being created will create huge problems to disabled people, potentially trapping some people in their homes. So we're having a protest on October 18th uh, at 4 to 5 p.m. outside of City Hall. And I think this is a really important moment for climate justice in Bristol, seeing, you know, is the work that Bristol is going to be doing around climate action going to centre the needs of the most disadvantaged or not. So even if you're not a disabled person, please come down in solidarity. Could you, sorry, could you, just going back to the way in which disabled people will be affected, potentially trapped in their homes, could you just, sorry, just expand on that a little bit? Yeah, of course. So um, basically the clean air zone um, will um, essentially, essentially, uh, if you have a car that creates um, a certain amount of air pollution, mm. then you will be charged to drive in the city. So £9 a day. Um, and a lot of the cars that a lot of disabled people have, like mobility vehicles, can be very polluting because there was this time when they thought, oh, d- diesel is diesel is best. Mm. Um, and um, a, there, are a lot, there are a lot of people who don't, don't automatically um, be be entitled to have the kind of the, the those free vehicles and and also um so currently i think the the money on offer is about two thousand pounds to upgrade your vehicle now so if you're 
if you want you get to have to get a new car and readapt it that could be up to forty thousand pounds now um i think one third of all adults in poverty are disabled people so you've got to ask you know where are they going to get the money to upgrade their vehicle and if you're having to pay you know nine pounds a day that is simply not sustainable for a community that has been absolutely ravaged first by austerity then by the pandemic and pandemic and now by the cost Mm. of living crisis so are you asking for disabled users to not have to pay that what is it you what is it you would like to see we would like to see um a we have a long list of asks um which (laughs) i I, I probably i won't read out all of them but um uh, so increased financial support for those who need to readapt their vehicles continued exemptions for blue badge holders so currently that's till only till i think what well, it's early next year like i think april um Gosh, that is long, the is exemption lasts for and other exemptions for people who can't get a disabled tax class um eligible um and exemptions to include disabled people those with long health um, long-term health conditions for unemployed or retired like currently you have to work a certain number of hours to get that you know even the minimum support that's available um, and we, we just want the whole kind of process of how it's handed to be a lot more accessible so you know for example you don't get an automatic notification if you drive into the clean air zone and then you only have six days um, to pay so if you um, if you maybe have some problems around executive function or just you just you know you already have so many other different barriers mm-hmm. and things to kind of face you know it's easy for that to kind of you know not to do it in that six days and then you're hit by 120 pound fine so i know in bath which has had their clean old stone kind of earlier this year there's already you know reports of disabled people who you know paying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds you know just because you know that's just not a, a realistic ask so so basically we, on, on our website we have a list of 10 asks which we think would make the clean air zone um accessible to disabled people and you know, just just to clarify again you know bristol is facing um a dirty air crisis you know 300 people a year die from air pollution in our city and those when you when you look at it those 300 people are people who have been disabled and then killed by our dirty air um so mm. so taking action on dirty air is, is really important for disabled people and we are in support of it it's just it's just that classic thing of let's make sure that our climate environmental action is centering the needs of most disadvantaged instead of excluding us but it can be done um and mm. um yeah i i i believe i believe that um you know we, we can we can get this right it's just making sure that um we raise our voice so that those issues aren't forgotten and you've just made it so clear on this program about why absolutely you need to be central to this conversation it is it's gosh that what was the day 18th of october yeah yeah Outside of City Hall, um, right. 4 to 5 p.m. 4 to 5 p.m. Okay, so if you want to go down and support this, yeah, really, really worthy cause, I'll see if I can get down there. That's um, fantastic. Emma, thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about this. Um, really good. Is there anything else you wanted to say to our listeners at all um, before we finish? Um, I mean, I just I, could I plug a few more things that we have? Going? Of course, please do. Um, yeah, so if anybody's interested, we're having uh, an event online for Sustainable Fashion Week this week, um, this Thursday, twenty uh, second at six pm online. Uh, you can get a free ticket on our on our um, Eventbrite. So just look on our social media. So that's about like how uh, fashion can be good for disabled people and the planet. So lots of issues around mm-hmm. a lot of fashion can sometimes not be that accessible um and then if you're a disabled person please come down to uh we're having like a community feast to to launch the next part of the plan and that is at the coat community center on october 25th again get a free brent 
bike ticket for us and before it and before before the meal there's going to be like an accessible sustainable cookery lesson um so we're going to like basically cook a like a really yummy afternoon tea and then eat it together and I'll, I'll be talking a little bit about our climate work but really it's just going to be a nice nice time to have a chat and meet other disabled people fantastic so. sounds brilliant uh, sorry just where and when again quickly uh, so that's at the coexist community center and where is that so the... that's in eastern right um, okay and it's october 25th um and then the the cooking the cooking part starts at 2.30 and then the meal part's going to start around um, 4 I think but again um, drop me an email or go on our website and get one of the free Brent bright tickets but that, that one's for, for disabled people Right, okay, brilliant Emma, thank you so much and please keep us posted, if ever you've got things on just, just uh, yeah, let me know very, very happy to let our listeners know. Thank you so much for having me, you know, as I said, you know, we've been excluded and ignored for so long so it really, really means a lot when people Bring us into the fold and let us raise our voice. Very happy, very happy to be able to do that. Uh... So this week we're talking about solid hair products. Take two bottles into the shower, nuh-uh, I take two delicious bars of goodness. Um, There are loads of solid shampoos and conditioners on the market now. Um, My preferred ones are a lovely light moisture I get from a rose and geranium alternative um, or alternative conditioner bar and the lovely lather that I get from the Essential Collection um, Botanical Boost shampoo bar, uh, both of which I buy from Scoopaway. But what I really love about sharing these eco tips is the way that people share their suggestions as well. So a couple of other suggestions, particularly for things that are made in Bristol, Caro's Creams, um, made in fish ponds, and also Wild Grove. And and a suggestion for one that you can get on, ones that you can get online, um, kinkind.co.uk apparently do really great shampoo and conditioner bars. So loads of options out there. You shouldn't have to kiss too many frogs to find the ones that work for you. I also find that they last me about four to six months, so they're also pretty good value for money. And of course, the cardboard packaging just goes straight in the recycling. So as ever, I offer this not because I'm perfect, because it makes me feel better, and I hope it might do the same for you. Thank you, Chloe. I mean, I say thank you, Chloe. Um, She won't be listening to this. um, And in fact, I have another message to play from her, um she's been doing these wonderful eco tips for us and I have one more to play next week and I suspect I'm not going to have any more um from that point on quite possibly because um right now she is in prison um so I have another message from her that she recorded um before she went in so just have a listen to this hello I'm Chloe Naldret I'm a 42-year-old theatre producer from Bristol. I'm a mother of two children. If you're watching this video, I'm in prison. And I'm in prison because of action that I have consciously taken as part of a campaign of civil resistance against this government because of their mishandling of the climate and cost of living crisis and their refusal to mobilise behind renewable energy and home insulation, which would be part of the solution to both of those problems. I've taken this action alongside a great number of ordinary people like me, doctors, social workers, 
farmers, students, uh, vicars, retired teachers, all of whom who have been prepared to stand up at this moment and say that we will not accept the trading of our children's futures for short-term profit. I know that some of my family and friends will find this distressing and that they will think that this is a really extreme thing to do. Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General of the UN, has said that the real extremists are the governments and the big energy companies who are continuing to pursue fossil fuel projects in full knowledge of what that's doing to our future. So until next week, bye bye.